0: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and try to elevate the conversation. I'm Andrew Peak, and with me today is Becca and Thais.
1: Hi. Hello. This is episode 83.
0: Nice. The Builder Show is coming up. Everyone's excited. I feel like people are, like my LinkedIn has blown up. People are ready to (laughs) network and talk and be... Yes. social, which is fine for me, like one month out of the year, you could talk to everybody and then you could take a little, <laughs> a little break after that for, for 11 more months.
1: <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun. I'm actually going to the show this year. I haven't been in a couple of years. The last time I went, it was actually in Vegas.
0: Oh, good. Oh. Um, so have you been to yeah. a Orlando builder show?
1: I have not been oh, to man. an Orlando builder show, yes. but I hear it's different. I hear the energy is slightly different. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. I more mean, it's walking. in a different In Vegas, everything is kind of, well, there's a lot of walking no matter where it is because in Vegas, that convention center is like a city. It's
0: more like, I feel like the Orlando, you're, you could be like, okay, so the, here's the tech bites room. So everything that all our listeners are interested in, and then the master sessions are like. 10 minutes this way, like a legit 10 minute mm. walk. You're like, Are you joking me? Like I have five seconds to get there. It's already started. <laughs> yeah. In Vegas, I'm like, oh, cool. There's like the three hallways, you know, this yeah. room, this room, this room. It's just right there. It's right it's there. Right yeah, there. I guess yeah. For the
1: education sessions, it's a little bit more yeah. compact. Mm-hmm. And then where
0: Sales Central is really nice. It's kind of in the mix of all of it. So there's I remember last year is my first year at the Vegas Builder Show. And there's there's like a corner intersection where it's like the main hallway going to like the escalators if you've been there you know what I'm talking about you come up there there's a little mm-hmm. food cart over this way then there's this intersection right before the sales central and you could stand right there and see everybody that you ever would ever want to see yes. like, <laughs> it's like the perfect spot to meet people and I got stuck there for like 45 minutes <laughs> I'm like
2: yeah way
0: but it was just one after another after another but it's yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it it's always a always a fun time
1: yeah, yeah I'll be hanging out outside of sales central for a little bit we have some fun Social media content planned. Ooh, ooh, um, sneaky, yeah, sneaky. so we'll be doing some things around there. So, um, so if you're at the Builder Show and you're near Sales Central, stop and say hi. I'll yeah. be out there.
0: Yeah, come see us. And then there's, um, let's see, we have four different DYC uh, sessions. We have four.
1: Yeah. Yes. Correctly. Very exciting. You are presenting um, all about Google Ads. Yep, Google Ads yeah, Google Ads.
0: Yeah, top mistakes. Um, that's on Thursday. And then Kevin Mm -hmm. at the same time is pre-sale without fail, which somehow he's never presented on at the builder show.
1: At the builder show. This is very exciting. I've never done that. Like, how have you not done it? That's like
0: everyone's not I mean it's everyone's favorite because it's like a it's a if you've read the book, you're like, cool, I could just do this. Like you don't have to like I mean, you do have to think about it and plan it, and there's all the actions required. But like here's the the manual, here's just take this and implement what's in the book. Mm
3: -hmm. So it's very actionable. mm -hmm. It's definitely yeah. easier
1: said than done.
0: <laughs> yes, that is true. yes for sure. That is true.
1: And then Kevin is doing Clash of the Titans, which is always oh, that's a me. crowd pleaser.
0: And Elena Money <laughs> is, I think, is the I, I'm trying to remember the previous years. If she's the only, yeah, I think she might be the only new one, but she'll be yep. fun. She yeah, oh yeah, that's I'm looking forward to seeing her. I hope she takes on Kevin. That'll be it. That'd be a fun little debate. <laughs> I think their logo to have like two fists or something like that. But yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be a that'd good be one. Good.
1: And then, of course, Jen is doing from online lead to on-site sales team all about a seamless buyer journey. So that's yeah. on Wednesday. Uh, so that'll be great. And if you guys want to get the details of all this, um, you can just check out the blog post we have on our site. So it'll that. be good. All right. Awesome.
0: And then on to some news. So Facebook... Um, they rolled out this new feature. They really didn't say much about it. This is somehow the <laughs> first time I've seen it. Thais pulled it for us and yes. said, hey, here you go. I'm like, oh, this was, I was like okay. I think it was yesterday. Like, it yeah. was just a day or so ago. So they're letting individuals opt out of um, custom audience lists, which then, like, to me, like, each time they kind of, like, show the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, I'm like, oh, will this make news and be interpreted to be too invasive of privacy? Like, people can can upload a list of contact information and then and then target you, which if if remember like that was kind of the Cambridge Analytica issue. People were extracting data from Facebook. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the huge privacy concerns now this is kind of the they're showing people can do the opposite. They could put any information they want onto Facebook. That will then match up with users. And now I, you could see which ads you're getting if they're using that feature.
3: It has been getting a lot more strict with custom lists lately. So there's less and less ads you can use them with, and so I think this is just one more step to kind of phase them out a little bit more.
0: Yeah, especially with us in in housing, we're quite restricted. I, I was yeah. on a Facebook group; it was about a week ago, and someone was talking about they're working with a Aston Martin dealership. This is just outside the industry, and they would purchase credit denials for high value auto loans. Ooh. which are like that's a, that's a weird. Listen, so then they would they made these ads that were like test drive in Aston Martin, no credit required, blah, 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 blah all the stuff where it's like the perfect offer for people that were denied, which it's like, why <laughs> do you really want that person yeah. coming in if they're denied?
2: Right. 80 to right.
0: Whatever the hundred something thousand auto loan, but their offer afterwards, which was a credit offer was for that person, but they didn't lead with credit. So it didn't hit the the uh, credit, oh, employment, oh, and housing requirements.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm like, oh,
0: you're so sneaky. And they're uploading this custom yeah. list. I'm like, okay, I wonder if it worked or if it was rather Shut expensive. <laughs> they're selling. Yeah, of course they're selling a $100,000 plus car. But I thought that was quite interesting seeing something
3: yeah.
0: outside the industry that was quite unique.
3: Yeah. I don't know that it's the smartest use. Of I know. In,
0: in theory, that. you're like, you're getting people that aren't approved. But
3: <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> who
1: knows? But maybe
3: they were selling, you know, Champagne dreams and beer budgets. So that's true. I like that.
1: Next is the CCPA or the California Consumer Protection Act or California Consumer Privacy Privacy Act. Act. Yeah. And this is just a little FYI for builders who meet any of the criteria for who this applies to. But it is basically a new law that protects California residents against their data being collected and sold without their knowledge. Home builders generally are not in the business of selling consumer data, but yeah. it still is applicable if you are collecting consumer data. So they have the right to know what you collect, especially if you have lead forms on your website or and uh, you're collecting their data. And they have a right to know what you're doing with it. They have a right to opt out of anything you're sending them and also to just completely delete their data. So it's just a little FYI, and while this only applies to California, it's coming down the pipeline for other states as well. I think there are about twenty other states that are considering legislation. Um, a lot of big companies and corporations are pushing for federal legislation on this, including Facebook. But in the meanwhile, states are taking action on an individual basis. So it's just a good FYI. Good to know that obviously data privacy is a big consumer issue, the hot button, and just to be. Aware and keep your finger on the radar. We have a blog post on our site about it, so check it out. And we also put a couple of additional resources on CCPA in that blog post: um, what Google is doing about it, how Facebook is preparing for it, and also an article from Lasso CRM on the GDPR data privacy, but it's also uh, applicable to CCPA. I think so. Some resources there for you. What?
0: What fun! I feel like it, maybe it was one article right? you sent over, Thais, but it was someone was pushing for the federal first. And then they put in there like likely because it'll be just held up and nothing will actually be done because it's federal and it's super complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's yeah. that's a negative outlook on that. It's but ne- I'm like, yeah. I feel like I believe that maybe. Um, well,
1: it's I'm sure part of that is true. But I was reading another article. Um, Facebook is also one of those that are pushing for federal legislation because their argument is that if there are 50 different laws on the books. For privacy from 50 different Ooh, states geez, a lot of yeah. paperwork they have to then yeah they have to then be you know have like the experts and have the resources to be able to you know abide by and keep up with 50 different sets of legislation when one yeah, federal sounds, would be easier
0: yeah that sounds yeah. awful imagine like the just thinking like the nerd language like if user from <laughs> florida do this if, oh if my like, then what if they move or what if they're in Georgia for six months, we're like, what? When we go to Vegas, four, or are visiting?
3: Days, like, yeah, you yeah. go to California yeah. for one day, mm-hmm. and you're on the. Well, that's exactly searching. it because, mm-hmm.
1: like, the CCPA it doesn't just apply to businesses that operate in the state of California. If you operate outside of the state of California, but you collect data from California residents, it still applies to you. Yeah. Oh, so God. there's all kinds of. It's crazy. Things too. Yeah. yeah. It can get complicated. You can real quick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely need regulation, but it's like, let let it, because that almost punishes like the mid to smaller size company, the complexity and and cost involved versus Mm -hmm. if Facebook has insane revenues, they can afford that. Mm
1: -hmm. They can afford to make the mistake.
0: Mm -hmm. But the other people, yeah, that could, that can mess them up.
1: Yep. All
3: right. Should we move on to the next one? Let's do it. All right. Matterport just announced a new function. That will accurately measure rooms, windows, doors, and furniture in the Matterport 3D digital space. So you'll be able to kind of hmm. plan your rooms around um, your furniture and what the house will be when it's built.
0: So I wonder if you could take a 3D Matterport and with this eventually, like, I don't know, if you probably can't do this now, but like shop and plan like your interior design. And like Ooh. actual product as far as like, you know, the, yeah. they have the dimensions of the Ikea, whatever, whatever brand. And then they could mm-hmm. integrate with Matterport and like, here's what it looks like. Like, oh, no, cool.
1: that'll be cool. I want to spend yeah. all my well, money Well, they're now. planning. Yeah. yeah they, Matterport says they're planning to upgrade the measurement mode sometime this year with AI functionality too. So oh. it'll be interesting to yeah. see what they, what comes of that. Yeah. So then Super you cool. could
3: find the sofa that you want for your new house and pop it in there. See mm-hmm. how it looks. Yeah. Uh, that would be yeah, awesome.
0: I feel that like all these really things cool. are just going to have home buyers who are, let's say, they're building. This is just another thing that they could obsess with once they're in their in their home. I mean, like yeah. if you're able to like pay someone, let's I don't know what the cost, two hundred dollars or something, to make a three D Matterport like when you're six weeks out from moving in, where it's pretty much done, but they're just doing the finishing touches, and you could start planning furniture,
1: placing, placing furniture, port, yeah. and you're, you're just there.
3: Of... Model. If you built the same home as model home, you could use that Matterport tour that exists. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. super cool.
0: Even more mm-hmm. reasons to to buy new compared right? to really, as far as <laughs> like we if, if we could sell that that the the uh, enjoyment the what you get out of it as far as like look all these things you could do new versus existing. I think it's that's just another opportunity of of pulling that market share. Our guest this week is Kirk Williams. Kirk was named one of the top 25 most influential PPC experts in the world by PPC Hero. He's the owner of Zato Marketing. They're a paid search uh, PPC micro agency. They work mostly with e-commerce. And he's spoken at uh, plenty of conferences all over the world and has published articles on search engine land, Moz, and PPC Hero. Kevin and I talked with him about attribution, bidding on brand search terms, and non-marketing doom. Here is our conversation.
2: Welcome back. Super excited to have on the author of one of the articles that was listed in our must read. It was part of the first ever set of homework assignments from the podcast in our three years. If you don't remember, the title of the article was Digital Advertising Is Not the dot com bubble. Improper attribution is. Our guest today is Kirk Williams, founder and owner of Zeto PPC Marketing out of Montana, right? The yeah. bustling metropolis of Billings, Montana, which is which is fantastic. You have how many kids? Uh five. Yep. Man, okay. See, so that sounds crazy to me because yeah. I have four, and I have three,
0: and I think th- both of you guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> three is three is plenty.
2: At some yeah, point, our,
4: you just our- keep you know adding them on. You forget, You're right? That's I what mean, I hear. You just like, oh, there's another one. I guess cool. another one. Here we Let's go. What's one more?
2: <laughs> yeah, our family motto became four, no more for for a couple of years and then we had it then we then we got a dog. <laughs> Kirk has also been named one of the top 25 most influential PPCers in the world by PPC Hero for 4 years in a row. Obviously written many art industry publications around PPC on Moz, search engine land, uh, Bing and more. Kirk, thanks so much for joining us today.
4: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I listened to that podcast that you did of my article and I have to admit I was I was very honored. I thought it was pretty cool.
2: Is there anything that you heard that you were like, "Oh, Nope, they got that wrong or I, I want to clarify something because it must have been strange. I don't know that I've ever listened to a podcast or someone else <laughs> discussing an article that I've written in my own ears. No,
4: It, it was okay. kind of funny because, yeah, I would hear you reading some of the quotes and I was like, oh, hey, I kind of like the sound of that. Oh, yeah, I wrote that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, the a smart dude. Well, well no, because the funny thing is, is, you know, some articles, I'm sure it's like this for you and even maybe in podcasts, but writing or whatever. Or sometimes you just have to kind of battle your way through something. And then sometimes you just have this thing and you're like, I just, I have to say this. And you sit down uh-huh. and just it just go. And that is that is my memory of writing that article. I think some of it is because I chewed on the original one for a while. And and it's been something that's, it's been talk. it's always, ta- that kind of thing is talked a lot about it in the industry. The whole eBay advertising thing is talked a lot. And so mm-hmm. there's already this kind of thinking through this stuff. And then I've been thinking a lot in the last couple of years, just about attribution and all that stuff. And so I think that's where it was one of those things where when it came, I just needed to write it. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> when you read the original article, was it because I find when I write something like what you did and it, and it connects and I, and I feel like it kind of flows out, it's usually from a place of either frustration or I forget who so, someone... I once read said, you know, when you don't know what else to write about, write about what really makes you upset (laughs) and not that like visceral anger. It's just like this, I've got to get that out there. I just wondering when you read that original article, kind of emotionally, what was running through you?
4: (laughs) Kind of the opposite, to be honest. So when I first read the article, I I even have a tweet out there somewhere that where I I posted it and basically said, this is like an industry defining article and we need to read this because- Like, I think what it did for me was it showed us what those who are outside of the industry are seeing in in some ways very accurately in kind of a, a big picture way of like, hey, here are some major holes here. And so I saw it and found myself nodding my head a lot, but then also saying, look. I agree with the overall concern that you're noting, but I think that it's not quite focused at the right thing. And so here's what that is. So I, I that's I think more of what it was. It was it was kind of this sense of like, hey, this is great, but here's I think more accurately what you should be attacking, rather than this like, I'm so angry. Cause I think a lot of what they said was was good and I experience those same frustrations I experience those frustrations of just people who are obsessed with that last that last click or even just that tracked that track profit let's get the report on let's just <laughs> report on traffic's increasing Wow look at this this is amazing and not actually communicating the real story of what's going on in, in our industry so. I think that's and and Kirk. uh,
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but you mostly
4: focus on e-commerce. Yeah. So or (laughs) so that's one thing that might come through in that article is so I am specifically paid search. So Google, Google advertising and Microsoft advertising, and then our focus is in e-commerce. Great. So I I was thinking about that as far as the amount of
0: data that you all would have versus say a home builder who might have 500 sales per year and then X amount of leads as far as what we can we can get confused on in attribution mm-hmm. you will have 5000 transactions per day mm-hmm. or or whatever number it is depending on the client size to to make it even this bigger in my mind i'm like oh attribution that's a four letter word like it's i'd imagine your conversations are even stronger and heated than ones what yeah. we, we might have because we might have 500 leads in a month for for say one builder and you're like well we had 500 sales yesterday
2: I feel like what you're saying is that the, the kind of fog of war in home building makes everything a little bit murkier, whereas correct. It, it would appear so much clearer in e-commerce because of the amount of data that yes. could cause it to become more heated.
4: That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Yes. Yeah, I think if I understand you correctly, yeah, I think so. And in some ways, that's even more what I think we need to kind of start pushing on and revealing. And to be clear, people have been saying, you know, I've, I've seen some great marketers been saying this for a while. This is something I, I feel like I've been learning and thinking through and understanding more. And that is that idea of what is actual marketing and what is actual incremental value and building a brand and all of that beyond just uh-huh. tracked profit with attribution and then reporting on that. And so in that sense it can actually, I think, I think conversion tracking in a sense can almost be dangerous in something like e-commerce because we think we have Mm -hmm. all of this data. And so because of Mm -hmm. that, then, then we just make these massive assumptions of, okay, X plus Y happens. So that equals Z. And there's so many of these assumptions because of all this data that we have now, and everyone has big data and everyone's doing all this stuff. And So, so in some ways there might be an argument for in like the home builder type of a thing, or, you know, we've done work with B2B, even B2B e-commerce there, there can be these crazy long, long buyer journeys. We've done SaaS marketing things like that. And Mm -hmm. in some ways, sometimes it's actually, I found it's actually a little bit easier to talk through some of those more like marketing conversations. How does paid search fit into an overall strategy and, and all that? because you don't have all of that data looking you at the face. So you kind of have to think through marketing. And, and I think e-commerce, we actually maybe need to course correct a little bit and be a little bit more cautious about that.
2: That makes total sense. So what I'm taking away, which I think as I'm reflecting on on how I took the article is similar, that that original article was kind of saying digital advertising is this big problem. It, it's broken. And it cites all these examples of, you know, by stopping it, no change in sales. And where it left me at the end, which is, which is why I was so glad we found yours to kind of pivot on is, but then what are you saying? Like, because digital, we know digital advertising is in essence, all that's left in terms of you can do other advertising, but for a small company or a company with a smaller budget, what are the other Mm. options? I guess is what I'm going through my mind. Television? No billboards no (laughs) it's like well that's still no no. so that's where i think you pivoted on it's not it's not that digital advertising is broken it's this misunderstanding of attribution or improper attribution so Mm -hmm. and i love the fact that you kind of in the article said i don't know that there you have a there there's no one perfect attribution system that you love Mm -hmm. right there's there's nothing you found yet that you're like hmm that's my happy place Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, a couple of thoughts, you know, one is I think if there was any annoyance that I did have with the article, I think it was what you noted. So, you know, I kind of do get annoyed at articles that maybe the shock value of, you know, they're always trying to kill something, right. Some, something is dying off. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so sometimes it's a little like, okay, you know, so so I think our authors said, hey, here's this issue, so let's look at that. And then they're like, and now here's a nuclear bomb, and they just leveled everything with it, right? And nothing is left. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and, they, leave and they leave it there. And, and, it. You know, and exactly like what you said uh, of, okay, that's good. You've you brought out some really good things, but now what? And and I just don't think that that article successfully helped with that. So then obviously as a digital marketer, specifically paid search, I was like, well, okay, I think I still have a job and here's why. <laughs> so, you know, that being said, <laughs> you know, the attribution thing, I, the way that I see attribution and, and so, you know, this is coming from a guy who does not remotely have this figured out. I don't really think anyone does. So probably the people who really talk like they do have it all figured out. That might be someone that you should be a little cautious of, in my opinion. Amen. <laughs>
2: hey, just so, so I want to reiterate that point again, because I was immediately just wanting to ask you like, so what about all those people who claim they have or they're, they're building the perfect tool? I mean, it's still a probably a bi-weekly occurrence where someone's like, what's that? So just tell me, Kevin, what's the plugin I put in that tracks a customer from first visits to the website all the way through the CRM and tells me everything they've ever done anywhere on every device. Because I I hear it's out there. Just tell me mm-hmm. which, one, which one, where do uh-huh. I go?
4: Yeah, and I think that because we don't like the unknown, and so I'm a business owner, I 100% get this. Like, I don't want to burn money. I don't want to throw money into the unknown. I, I really do understand. So I think part of that is what drives it as well. And then you have marketers uh-huh. who maybe sometimes through a desire to conceal or maybe sometimes it's just this overly ambitious oh yeah we got this figured out naivety maybe um whatever it might be you start to get some of those things together where someone says i want to know what's going on you know some some executive i want to know what's going on if you can you know if you're the loudest one in the room with the best argument you're the one who gets more of our budget this year right And so what works great then, of course, is, and so in, you know, in my industry then, well, hey, that looks great for us because, you know, do a bunch of bidding on some brand terms and remarketing and snag everyone up in the bottom of funnel. We look really (laughs) awesome, right? Hey, we should get all the budget. Again, to the point of that's, that's probably not going to actually long-term build a brand and help a business grow. And because it's not really fully comprehending how complex a buyer journey can be. You are in an industry where that is even just dramatically more than typically the industries that you know we advertise in with Zato. You know, obviously, if a customer journey is a lot shorter for certain, you know, certain yeah. certain products, it's a little bit easier to follow some of that. But even then, it's not. It's 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 changing. Uh, I noted this in the article, but. Privacy is something that we are just going to see continue to grow and become a thing. You have the EU uh, with GDPR, California just yep. pushed theirs through CCPA or something like that.
2: Yeah, we just added a blog post about that to the site. And I think what's interesting about privacy is consumers are continue to prove that they don't really care about it, but as humans individually, we care about it. So, like the collective society doesn't seem to care. Individually, we care because we like that sense. But I think to your point, eventually, even if consumers vote with their actions to say they don't care, regulation Mm -hmm. is just going to make it tougher and tougher to get to that holy grail that everyone's Mm -hmm. trying to, to chase.
4: Yep. And you have certain things that are already taking place like Safari ITP which is, yeah. I mean, I saw, I've not done, honestly, a ton of research in this because it's it's a little hard to kind of even really try to track to see. So quick, you know, for the sake of your listeners. So basically with intelligent tracking prevention, I think is ITP with Safari. They're starting to, you know, eliminate cookies, which is how advertisers typically, you know, follow users around the web. You see what's going on. The reason why that's important is, okay, we're talking about buyer journey, right? So if someone visits your website five times across six months, and you're able to track that, you say, cool, you know, we followed this buyer journey. It still doesn't get into what I've, what I alluded to in my article into things like emotion, and some of the things you can't even track. Yeah. But even then, at least you can see, okay, at least you can see the visit and assign a percentage of a sale to that, which is what attribution really is. But you get things like ITP coming in there and erasing cookies. And so all of a sudden, this person, sure, they visited your site five times. Now you don't know that now they look like five individual users. So you're not seeing that customer journey at all. And that's, you know, that's hit uh, Apple devices more with with Safari. And so privacy as part of that conversation, exactly like you said, even if consumers aren't themselves, just Jumping into ad blocking wholesale, we're definitely going to see more with uh, companies like Apple and Google and that, as well as regulation impact that dark social has been a thing, it will continue to be a thing, you can't track someone sending a, a DM to 10 of their friends saying, Oh, my goodness, this mattress is the greatest thing I've ever slept on. (laughs) <laughs> you, you you can't right? <laughs> you know you can't so, so you just have <laughs> you a lot of those things that are part of the attribution and then even in my opinion, and this is something I don't really ever hear anyone talk about with attribution, but is a big one for me, is you can assign a certain percentage of value to a session and then, you know, take overall number of sessions and overall, okay, uh, this number of people converts, convert on their third session. So let's assign more, blah, blah, blah. That's like what Google does. That's attribution. And you can't though really know the the why. And in someone's brain and, and in housing, this is definitely a thing as someone who's at least shopped for houses for myself, there is an emotion in there that you're not tracking within a website visit. <laughs> And emotion is a big right.
2: deal. And so that made that. Well, hard. you can visit a floor plan page of a home builder. You could visit five times as a consumer. And three of those times, maybe when you're like, you get into a discussion with your significant other about not liking uh-huh. the bedroom size. And so you pull it up to look at it yeah. while you're talking about it. To your point, like that, that's not even a like, what was the purpose of that? And, and was that then bounce? If it was a direct visit, is that bounce a bad mm-hmm. thing? And, and even to your point of if you misunderstand that now because of those privacy adjustments, it looks like you have five new visitors, all of your metrics suddenly start looking like, wow, our product must not be resonating with the customer because, look, there's no more return visitors or, or that return visitor percentage is dropping. Mm-hmm. There's just there is a lot of complexity, which I, I think is what we enjoyed about your your thought process through that through that article no doubt it's it's way more complex than anyone wants to admit especially in a boardroom where you're trying to sell yeah, something yeah
4: yeah to your your illustration okay so someone visits for that discusses that floor plan like what percentage of value of that eventual you know maybe home purchase or you know whatever specifically is your objective like what percentage should that get lead get when you don't even know that well i, I don't know mm-hmm. you know we don't know that but attribution is purposefully st- attribution um, an attribution model is assigning a certain percentage to that visit regardless of what you do or don't know. So again to the point of in in that sense, I guess I I'm kind of now dropping the bomb on the attribution and leaving a lot you know a lot a lot in the wake in terms of, you know, you can't trust it at all. So so to me, you know, so to try not to do what I complained about others doing, you know, with in terms of just leaving a mass of confusion in the wake and not ever giving some sort of you know, way out of it. To me, that's where I've been helped by those who talk about attribution in kind of a directional way. So kind of figuring out a model that does work, you know, best with maybe your specific industry or your specific company, whatever that might be. And and using that and the data to kind of like help guide you as you make decisions and see directionally what happens to your business overall. But absolutely understanding all of the ways that, that it can be confusing all of the ways that other channels work well with it. We are, we do paid search. We are huge proponents of email, of organic, you know, social. I mean, I don't, I don't manage those, but we encourage our clients to use them well, because like we, we're not trying to fight for the piece of the pie. The attribution is showing who wins the most budget. We're saying, here's why in a strategy, all of this stuff is important. Let's look at overall directionally a business growing and use attribution and our data to assist in that.
2: Yeah. I think also sometimes attribution models are an excuse to not understand your own business and your customer better, especially the customer. Mm. If you believe that you can just look at numbers on a screen and not spend time Mm. physically watching a consumer go through their journey shadowing customers through the buying process like there's so much of things inherently that you just would get wrong if you if you put complete trust in a system without understanding the customer deeply uh, yourself yeah i like that so
0: kirk thinking about what you just said there you ultimately led to like it all goes back to the real numbers like where's revenue where's profit where's these these key metrics that don't really have Attribution associated with them, like okay, so here's how much we spent on marketing. Here's our revenue. We increased marketing, sales went up, everything went up, great. We're we're healthier, and then jump back into the weeds of trying to figure out like okay, is there how do we shift the budget a little bit? But ultimately, everything goes back to the real numbers.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, real numbers. You mean like like total, overall, top line, that kind of thing. Like yeah.
0: Correct. Yeah, I yep. think
4: so. And and so now I, I love to be self-contradictory. So now, you know, I'll somewhat contradict myself as well by saying that's where it can be a little tough too, though, because there can be, there can be lag to what you do in terms of when you're shifting. I think the core and yep. <laughs> maybe this is something that others who really do marketing well, and maybe especially traditional marketing are sitting here laughing. They're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did the marketing bum, you know, you're finally <laughs> figuring it out. Right. I feel like if there's anything I've learned in the last, I think, decade now that I've been doing marketing, it's hiring someone who really understands marketing and can develop a strategy and really has an idea of this is how we need to present this product or this service in this way. It's funny how you can do that and it doesn't even maybe make sense in the numbers, especially initially, but because the strategy is sound that will, that will eventually result in just a, an awesome thing. And we've seen that even specifically in clients that we've assisted large brands doing major things where sometimes the investment in maybe a certain channel, because they had, they had this idea of like, let's do this with these videos. And it was, it was the right play, you know, and I'm sure I don't know I didn't sit in these meetings, but I'm sure in the beginning, there were probably a lot of naysayers that said, you want to spend how much doing what without really being able to right. prove what that's going to do, maybe even for years. And, and I think that's where marketing maintains a risk to it. And I think that's what I've started to see more and more as well, is we have become really risk averse as we've received this data because we think we can track everything. And so now we say, let's not take any risks or maybe like, sure, you can have two weeks of testing and then we move on if we don't see immediate ROAS, you know, whatever. And that's it. Yeah. You you had to fight for those two weeks, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And there's things, there's things that we do where two weeks would be plenty of time to Sure. At least be able to to tell if there was smoke, let alone fire. But there's other things. We have a, a builder in New Mexico that hired a full time videographer on their team, and so to say, well, we, you know, we made a video. It's been two weeks. Sorry, we're going to let <laughs> you go. I'm not seeing any direct sales as a result of of this ongoing process, and yet, like you're saying, Kirk. We've been talking about this for for I feel like a decade now. There's this channel called HGTV that we know is always on in someone's home when they're thinking about moving or buying a house, and the content on that screen is not contextual to the specific location you're in, and it's not even all innovative. It's the Mm -hmm. same Mm -hmm. premise, like same four premises over and over and over again, and yet home building companies look at that, look at our recommendation, and their first statement is. So can you tell us who else is doing this that's getting results right now? You know, it's not, it's not having that long-term perspective Mm -hmm. to take a risk. And to be
4: fair, they can hire someone to do all that and say, you know what? I was listening to this podcast by these, by Kevin and Andrew and that one guy. (laughs) So we're going to do this. We're going all in on video. (laughs) And then they can hire like some bum who's just terrible at video and, you know, does a bad job and. And, and this uh-huh. is where I definitely can empathize with this as well. And, and I think that was even my point about, I think it's the right, it's also the right person and the right team. Get, get, uh-huh. get the right uh-huh. people on the bus. Jim Collins, good to great. And, uh-huh. and I think that's why it's one of those, like the more I looked at, it, the more I'm like, man, I feel like, I think you pointed this out. Attribution is like, is like the easy answer. And let's be honest, like the more we look around, we say, hey, we're trying to build businesses. We're trying to build brands. It's never easy. And I think that's part of it is that's exactly, that's exactly right. It's exactly hard. You know, it's not just a matter of, okay, so what do we do next? How much money do we shift into video and how long should we wait? Because if you hire the wrong person for video, you could blow a lot yeah. of money.
2: <laughs> and even if you hire the perfect person work. for video, but it sits in the Disney vault, so to speak, <laughs> and never gets used or repurposed <laughs> correctly and, and put on the right channels it, with it, then still... Even if you hire that right video person, you still need the, the marketer with the more strategic overall view. Yeah. I want to ask a couple specific, more techie questions. And then I want to shift to your another article that you wrote on non-marketing doom, which is near and dear to my heart, but some technical questions or scenarios. So for those people listening who maybe are not as technical, what specifically, or can you give some examples or just shed a little more light on last click attribution with PPC and specifically around brand terminology and I'll I'll give you a quick scenario that that happened with us a, a little while ago where I talked to someone oh, who was in charge of digital marketing for a home builder a national home builder and from what we can tell and based upon our conversation with them most of their PPC spend the vast majority is on brand terminology not generic terms mm. and The specific brand terms that are being targeted are also being taken to a gated landing page instead of the site itself where the customer can learn more information. And so their takeaway was, look, we can tell that brand PPC is the best investment because look at all these leads. And when we asked about appointments and we asked about sales and kind of that overall buyer journey, they're like, yeah, we can track it from beginning to end. But what they meant by track was, yep, we got them from a landing page at some point period ago and then look a sale happened way down over here four months later the obvious result is that sale would not have happened <laughs> without the branded <laughs> ppc to a gated landing page and that so i again it's a it's a complex scenario but anything that you in and, and you're not necessarily in our space but just some of the pitfalls of of last click attribution specifically with ppc and then maybe a little bit of brand terminology because i know you've also written articles on that that we'll link to in the show mm-hmm. notes
4: yeah. And that also goes into that original article too, a little bit, right? Because that was a big part of the issue with eBay is, yep. you know, eBay is such a ridiculously powerful brand and they're investing so much money in brand and, and they pause it and see no change, which, you know, doesn't really surprise me that much in, in their instance. Yeah. So with attribution, you know, as we've been discussing, you're basically, a, you know, trying to figure out what percentage of that goal that sale what percentage of credit you want to assign to the different stops along the way that a person makes in their journey sure and so with last click what you're doing is you're taking 100% of all of the credit and saying you know what doggone it we don't care about any of the other traffic any of their other stops whatever we're just you know we're going to we're going to give everything to uh this you know this last stop on on the user journey the problem being of yep. course that they could have never made it to that last stop if they didn't pass through those other stops. And so to say that those other stops, those first stops had absolutely no value is naive at best, right? And business killing at worst because the more that you start to then divert your budgets and everything, your focus on that last click, whatever is converting at the end, the more you start to shift all of that What you're doing is it is you're it's called strangling the top of the funnel. You're basically, you know, starting (laughs) to kill off your sources for actually creating the interest in the first place because someone doesn't just magically get up one day, having never heard of your business and be like, hey, I, you know, want to seek out, you know, Dwight Schrute home building. Right. Uh, They've never, ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I I just revealed (laughs) one of my other likes. Right. Yeah. I mean. (laughs) If they've never, ever heard of that home builders brand, like why in the world would they have ever typed it in? And so basically to divert all your budget just to that is you're saying all of those other places potentially where they heard of this to get to that point, we're just going to stop advertising there. And unfortunately, the really big problem with this type of thing is that doesn't always reveal itself until you've strangled the funnel. And sometimes that can take months or years. And then all of a sudden you look around and you're like, oh, crap we don't have a business anymore because you haven't been building a brand.
2: Yeah. And especially in home building, the swing of the market cycle can be so dramatic, Mm. you know, in that scenario, it it could be taking a while for it to fall off, but it also could just be the 2009 happens and the Mm. search volume for anything housing related drops by 70% Mm. kind of overnight, kind of the same, same situation.
0: I think most of the builders listening are, Kind of fortunate that if they only stripped down to brand terms, they'd they'd be like, well, I'm not spending any money, right? Which can yeah. like they might spend like 200 a month on PPC just because you know they're not huge national companies. Right, some are they could spend quite a bit, but yeah, that that does make sense. It's it's almost like if you cannot increase the budget or pull the lever, like it's can that be given attribution? Can that be given the credit? Like the brand terms, like you can't increase the budget for most of the builders listening, right. On your brand campaign to get more leads. Like, Hey, we need more leads. Triple the budget on that campaign. <laughs> like it just won't, won't do anything. Nothing will happen. Well,
2: okay. So, so last, this isn't really technical, but someone who would tell you Kirk and again, our audience home building, but I want to build a brand from PPC. What, what's mm. your, what's your thought on that type of yeah. request?
4: <laughs> so there are some complexities around that. So a couple of things, uh, first of all, just practically, so PBC, I'm, for the sake of this, I'll just, I'll note that PPC and paid search, I'm kind of using interchangeably. There's a lot of argument about if it includes right. social and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of going to, is it okay if I shift that into paid search specifically talking about, you know, like Google? Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. Google. That, that. Mm-hmm. I figured that's yep. what you meant.
4: Yeah. So, so basically the idea of paid search is that it is about, it's about capturing demand that's already there. So we like to use demand creation and demand capture. Demand creation is you're kind of, you're building something and you're getting in front of people and you're creating this interest in what you do, who you are, whatever it might be. And that's typically going to be, you know, more in traditional marketing, you know, mail outs, billboards, might be YouTube ads, TV, that stuff is getting interest in what you're doing that unfortunately typically is that it actually goes a little bit back to what we talked about in the past, where there's kind of the risk The marketing creative is going to really be important. Like all this stuff, right? You're defining what you are, you're drawing interest. Paid search is by nature, demand capture, which means there's already the demand. And so you're just trying to efficiently and smartly get as much of that as you can within your, within your budget. And so what that means is with paid search, you're not magically like usually and here's where it gets complicated but you're not sure. typically just all of a sudden putting these thoughts in people's brains of like oh maybe it's maybe it's time to to build a house and hire that guy by the way you know it's it's <laughs> typically you're taking people who are interested in building a house and you're presenting yourself in there as the one that they should consider but the demand is already there. Right. They're already interested in building a house and you're trying to maneuver in front of them. So typically I would say, you know, page search typically isn't where you want to go in order to just to kind of create that interest, create that demand, but it is where you're trying to position yourself and capture, you know, very smartly that demand that is already there. Now that is where, you know, and this might be getting into more of the geek side of it, because there's arguments about this within BBC, that is where sometimes you can get a little creative in terms of trying to identify maybe demographic information. So, hey, let's say that the people most interested in building a house tend to be, you know, young, married, certain job income, you know, blah, 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 whatever. There's usually some sort of demographic, right? And so maybe that's one of those things where someone would think, hey, what are other interests that they have and then maybe we can kind of position that to draw them into being interested into what I'm selling too. I yep. doubt that's probably a well, great thing to try with home building just because, you know, uh, there are way. Better
2: well, it, it is complex, but I think what we've seen is this t- to your side about, you know, demand capture and demand generation. There's a symbiotic relationship between what we call paid social. So not mm-hmm. organic posting, but but paid advertising on social platforms. The symbiotic relationship with both paid search results as well as organic uh, results and conversions. And one case study in particular that we looked at at last year's International Builder Show was a builder who dramatically increased their paid social spend. And I'll I'll come back to kind of how that was targeting and and predicting who to show to and connected to their dramatic rise in organic results. But almost all of that increase in organic traffic was coming from brand terminology, because they saw the ad, they couldn't refine the ad. So now I've got to go search for it. And because we don't typically bid very very much on brand terms, they, they found an organic link and then ended up uh, continuing on from there. So there's this definite symbiotic relationship. But to your point, what we've seen is instead of trying to predict what those other things are based upon similar interests just to use the the power of facebook's ai to say this is the task we want performed on on the site and and you recheck that a billion times a day to reoptimize based upon each individual user's behavior and previous web activity that you've been able to track but who knows how long that mm-hmm. will stick around in its current form so that that all rings Rings true. And I also have to, before we transition to the non-marketing doom, when you say there's an argument in in your world about PPC versus paid search, to me, it sounds similar to the argument that SEO is all things digital marketing because you're just trying to connect a company with a customer. And I'm like, wait, that's Mm -hmm. marketing. That's Mm -hmm. not SEO. (laughs) I I feel like it might be paid search companies trying to pivot and say, we still are everything PPC, but oh, by the way, social is now Mm -hmm. PPC too. Yeah maybe too much inside baseball <laughs> talk but non marketing doom this article which we'll have links in the show notes kind of broke down how a company like yours can get into trouble with a client that has nothing to do with how good the the digital marketing efforts are and i found this fascinating and maybe even liked it more than than the reason we're talking simply because of how much it resonates to us as someone who works with with many home builders around the country and you kind of broke it down into two major areas A failure in process that can result in non-marketing doom. And to define that, you mean doom that has created no causation to marketing
4: efforts. Doom that is reflected. So this article was originally like a presentation that I gave. And so the doom that is affected specifically in your marketing campaigns. So maybe your boss or client coming and saying like, what the heck's going wrong? Mark, you know. Kirk, your paid search campaigns are crashing (laughs) left and right. Figure it out, buddy. And saying, hey, don't forget, it's not just Mm -hmm. advertising that can break. There are other things that can break as well that impact advertising.
2: Yeah. And so those two major groupings, failure and process, really has to do with, in the e-commerce world, the things like product being out of stock, a customer or a competitor suddenly adjusting price by a couple bucks where you are no longer the obvious choice and hurting conversions, things that that are under the company's control, but kind of there's still data there. there's um, it's not as gray. It's more black and white. They're just not very good at operating kind of the core core business. Is that too strong a way to say that?
4: No, I think, yeah, I, I think that's I think that nails it. You know, basically the idea being there are significant things that impact our ability to market well that are, you know, how, how your product or service is. So some quality thing there, you know, a builder might say, what in the world Our campaigns for this specific style of house have just really crashed, figure this out, or we're firing you the agency. And it, it Hey, it might just be that this year, that style of house is just, everyone hates it. They want something else. And so it's, it's really a failure in, yeah. I guess that might be <laughs> like, pro- I think that'd probably be what I would consider a Product, yeah, a product, yeah, exactly,
2: yeah, exactly. Your all brass fixtures included promo campaign just doesn't resonate <laughs> yeah. any, anymore,
0: unlike those anymore. Yeah. Or the stock is interesting. I think about like a community that has very limited home sites yeah. to choose from. Or the from.
2: salesperson cherry picked all the best home sites because the home site premium wasn't properly set, and so the best ones are all gone. What remains just is not as attractive. Mean, there's all kinds of. We go back through the the five P's of marketing that we talk about a lot, that those are kind of the world that I think Kirk is talking about. But the failure and understanding one was even more exciting to me because that kind of delves into just this misunderstanding. And, and what you talk about is, hey, like I said, it's it's a little more black and white on the process side because it's operationally like, let's just get better at doing this. Let's get better at operating the business. Whereas failure and understanding, the way you have to fix that is by changing behavior and and ways of thinking of the client in your case so talk to me a little bit about is that is that harder i'm assuming <laughs> more more fraught with danger
4: <laughs> yes well you know all of us believe something about something about anything and it's hard for us to change our minds and some of that is that's okay you know we probably arrived there for a reason but sometimes our minds have to be changed and so that's kind of that second one of just communicating Um, especially to my audience, it was, it was actually at a marketing, a couple of marketing conferences and communicating. Sometimes you're not just saying, Hey, let's see if this product is out of stock and trying to fix a physical process. You're actually saying, Hey, I think the way that you're seeing this is, is off. And so I'd like to help you see how it's not wrong. And then at some point, you can't always change minds. But one one specific example that that we had happen specifically in one case, but we've seen this elsewhere as well. It, it kind of is, is a red flag for us that a, a failure in understanding is happening, and that's when we will go in and we will we will do. We always try to do a bit of research in terms of really trying to understand you know key demographics and who like who we're supposed to target, and then that for us in paid mm-hmm. search gets translated into the keywords. So let's specifically figure out who they are, and therefore, what are they typing into Google that's going to match them yeah. up with our clients, right? And so if, if we're working with a client, and it's been three months, six months, whatever, and we're just really struggling to get conversions, and we're trying different things, that's oftentimes where, you know, maybe the client then is all of a sudden being even, you know, more and more kind of aggressively, maybe even trying to end the count, trying to kind of think through specifically, hey, <laughs> asking questions. Have you, have you tried, you know, maybe this CPC is too high, right? But specifically mm-hmm. as we start to look more and more, and, I, and I've had this conversation more than once where, you know, we look more and more at what we're targeting. And in some ways we can even ask it to the client, like, hey, so this is what we're targeting. Even like you've even approved this keyword list. This is, these are the search terms coming through. So we're not having a lot of junk coming in. So this is your audience as, as as far as we can tell, this is exactly who we want to be targeting and what, and they don't seem uh-huh. to be accomplishing what we want them to. So that is probably the core big red flag to me that maybe something on their end is, is really going wrong. And a lot of times that can come into some of those, more of those kind of bigger picture uh, business yep. failings or that of some of those, those failure and understandings. I note that if we are doing everything right in terms of targeting, why is that not working? Or how do we need to adjust our our expectations, maybe? Yeah. Yep.
2: Well, I think part of that failure and understanding for me when I read the article, why I resonated so well is I think unintentionally, that's why we've been able to work so well with so many builders for so long, is having been in the industry and able to predict what those failures in understanding are likely to be based upon the organizational size or culture or leadership or, or goals or product. That's really helped us in the sense uh, there's at least 40-some people out there who will know exactly when they heard me talk about this with them. We go When we get ready to kick off with a, with a new builder, one of the things I'll ask them is, what if traffic volume goes down, spend goes down, but appointments and sales go up? How are you going to feel? And a lot of times people in marketing are they they start getting really nervous and they're like, I would be uncomfortable with that. And I might have to draw that out from them. And I'm like, tell me more about why that is, because the results are going up, but the spend is going down. They're like, yeah, but the traffic's going down. Like we have to have more traffic. So then I I, I kind of can start setting expectations and and helping them through that change process, but I I can only and for people who listening who obviously don't work for a consulting or an agency, that's what you have to do with your boss or other folks in the C-suite is have some of these what-if conversations in advance, knowing that in most cases, there's you know three-ish scenarios of what's likely to happen and kind of talking through in advance. Because I think some of that, when we're only ever... Kind of looking at historical data to something you said earlier, Kirk, we're, we're kind of always living in the past, not what we're doing currently. That makes armchair quarterbacking really easy for other folks. Like, well, why didn't you do that three months ago?
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing that might be worth calling out too for your industry, and you would be able to speak into this much better than me, but probably a, a really good or at least better understanding of some sort of lifetime value Or maybe in your industry, it's not so much lifetime value because that's almost more like e-commerce talk, like repeat customers, things like that. Maybe it's like software as a service, how long someone going to be, you know, if if we charge $100 per month and this person signs and our average span is 12 months. Okay, lifetime value, we have $1,200, right? So maybe some of that would be a builder having somewhat of an, an idea of what their goal that they're trying to accomplish what that actually costs, because then that's also mm-hmm. going to give them a little bit of a better ability to weather some of the concerns or frustrations of a marketing campaign. Because um, you're not just kind of basing it on, do I feel like it's working or not? But you're saying, hey, you know, we actually have calculated that, you know, if, if we spend X amount for this goal, that, that that's actually successful in terms of that actual lead. And so let's, let's be willing to spend that or spend it or re, you know, reevaluate uh, and that as well. But I, I do think that's a little bit important because sometimes we see people make too quick of decisions about something not working. And sometimes that's just because, you know, they're just looking in terms of the here and now sale and not the actual impact of what that is on the business.
2: Yep, for sure. Andrew, anything else you want to talk to or ask before I
4: yeah, I, I think the so the last section
0: underneath the failure and understanding for our listeners, there's this section doesn't understand marketing, <laughs> which I think, you know, us, like we're talking, you know, I'll, I'll say agency talk um, just to make it easy. But we all have our own internal clients, especially on marketing. So that last section there, I would I would say definitely read it. But looking through it, I'm like, these are so many interactions like we hear about, like help clients get out of the not my job m- mode. And that'd be to me like, Hey, marketing! You guys fix this issue. Marketing probably secretly knows, like, oh, we're trying to sell these townhomes on a swamp <laughs> that are spec and fifty thousand dollars too much, <laughs> and it's right next to single family homes that are, you know, hundred thousand less or whatever maybe. Yep. Like, just I think that whole section can be just digested and can help you learn how to have those conversations yeah. where it's like, hey, this isn't. If I spend ten thousand more a month on this one community, which would be a crazy amount this still won't fix it. Like, how do we, I'm sure yeah. Kirk, you've had those conversations where you're like, they want me to sell this stuff and I could look on Google shopping and they are $20 more or a hundred dollars more, whatever it may be like, why I, I can't sell this thing. Have you, have you, do you have any fun stories where like, it was a very clear, obvious, I cannot fix
4: this <laughs> here. <laughs> well, some of that can get into even just the price. We haven't talked about this too much, but you know, the, the growing costs of paid search too. sometimes where it's mm, somewhat right. of a, you're trying to sell a ten dollars product, and our clicks are now at two dollars <laughs> per click, right? So unless we yeah, land someone, yeah. you know, in, in the next two clicks, so, yeah. so you know, so sometimes that's part of that is figuring out and like I talk about the overall strategy of, of being smart and where you're investing the budget. One thing that I think is is worth calling out is it's, it is somewhat of a controversial claim, but. So far, at least, I've stood by it, and, and it's because I think it helps with this conversation of both sides feeling ownership in what they need to do, and therefore being able to to work together. Sides meaning advertisers and more of maybe the the core, you know, business executives, client, whoever it might be. And that is that really what we as advertisers are meant. I, I would argue are are intended to do is we're we're trying to figure out what is the goal we're accomplishing and then we're identifying the people that are best going to accomplish that goal we're we're doing our best to get the right the right message in front of them right offer you know maybe there's creative involved there's some level of something but then once once we bring them to the site there is there there's kind of a shift I would say in responsibility to then the next level which is okay we we've done our job we've taken this 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 person who should want to purchase from you, and we've got them to you. So now, what are you going to do about it? Um, and and so obviously, there's also marketers who are involved in in on-site content, and then and then you get into some of that other stuff, which gets into process stuff, where pro- making sure the right product is there and that. But that does go a little bit into kind of the overall business side of things, which is yeah. we we can't market. A bad product because we're not sending you money, we're sending you traffic. And ultimately, we're sending you good traffic, qualified traffic. Mm-hmm. We're sending traffic who wants to give you money, but at some point, then there is a significant responsibility to take the necessary steps to then close that sale. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. I think you're 100% right. I think the challenge, and this is, you know, you can use the excuse of a new year if you need it, but that's what makes marketing leaders so valuable is because so few people want to have that additional accountability. And and that's why I talk so much about the fact that even if it's not your fault, it's still your problem. Because what what I heard you talk about, Kirk, was basically the difference between advertising and marketing Hmm. proper. And in our industry, there's very few marketers. There's a lot of advertisers. And then there's a lot of salespeople. And so the challenge Hmm. in home building, and I don't know if you see this in other places, is the advertiser brings the traffic. The sales party organization just says well until they get to me physically or on the phone or chat or whatever like what do you expect me to do My job is to take an interaction and mm-hmm. cause a result the interaction hasn't happened and so there's this gap in between where I really feel like our industry your title really is marketer for a reason there mm-hmm. there are no generally there are no people in advertising in, in a home building organization because there's a gap there that no one, no one is in a rush to fill most of the time and and you should you should stick your nose in there and, and get dirty <laughs> interesting yeah
4: yeah, that's cool. and 100%. for the people who do that, I guarantee you that they are going to have jobs for a long time because the people who jump in there and help solve those problems and make those connections between marketing and sales and all that, they're going to be valuable, so.
2: Well, you might get fired, but you're, if you do get fired, it's because (laughs) the product was wrong and you called it out. And then when you go in for your next interview, like it's okay, there's such a demand for true marketers who can have a more well-rounded conversation. And I think that's just let that fear go away. If if you tell everyone the emperor (laughs) has no clothes, it's all right. As long as you do it respectfully, check your ego, you know, have some data, have enough understanding of the customer. Even if it goes wrong, it's teeing you up for a much better long-term result for your career. Mm, yep. Awesome. Well, Kirk, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Uh, be sure to check out all his bio, uh, check out the company website. You do lots of speaking around the country as well. So if you get a chance to see Kirk in person or, or want to bring him out to your organization, I'm sure you wouldn't mind people reaching out about that as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm trying to travel a little bit less this year, but I'm trying to blog more. So we'll see.
2: There you go. That's the okay. goal.
4: Yeah. But well, I, I love to travel. It's just hard with five kids. <laughs> yeah. And you can't
2: scale it. That would be. You can't scale it too you far with scale. five kids. Right. No. Right. Yeah, on. Exactly. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Kirk, thank you so much for joining us. Really enjoyed your thoughts on when good marketing goes bad and how those uh, non-marketing factors can uh, turn your good marketing into uh, into doom and how it affects everything. I think we I think we forget that sometimes. There's the other half of how people what they're looking at the value and the offer being offered. Thanks.
1: All right. So let's go on to question of the week, and we had a question that Kevin posted in our group last week that got a lot of response. And the it question did. was, what department or group in your organization has the potential to impact your results the greatest in 2020, either by improving their results or by continuing their strong momentum from last year? And so the number one department with potential to impact organization in 2020 is sales, followed closely by marketing, followed closely by land and development. And then it goes down to purchasing and costing, construction, leadership and operations, and architecture. So sales and marketing and land development are the top three with the most potential to impact results.
0: It's interesting, the results and and reading the comments. You have Robert Gladstein, who's the owner at American Classic and and Land. Of course, they're like Seattle area. So you Mm -hmm. have different perspectives as far as like the difficulty. It'd be interesting if this question was... I don't know how to word it, but like forecasted to what department or group organization has the potential to impact your results in 2025 or like long-term as far as like, so construction was at the bottom, but then it's like, okay, well maybe if it's looking at like a five-year, eight-year window, land and construction could be like, those might be the top because construction to me, that equals reputation and referrals and like the actual product. Mm -hmm. The land is where, and it's just as far as, the immediate impact that does make sense to me, that sales is is right there, sales and marketing. Yeah,
1: yeah. and land is, in some markets, land is running out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's oh man.
1: Like where are you are, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I'll share it with, with y'all. Maybe I'll put it on the group just because it's interesting. There's this golf course that's being redeveloped and there's been drama after drama after drama, but there's no land. This golf course has been closed for two years. It was purchased by a developer that lives across the bridge in Tampa where there's lots of land available or, or more land compared to where we are where we're pretty much built out except for redevelopment like this. And everyone's like, this thing's terrible, blah, 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 all this stuff, but it's been sitting there for like two years. He finally was able to get the permits approved to, to demolish the clubhouse and everyone's like, this is awful, you're a terrible person. And I'm like, this thing's going to sell out and like, yeah. <laughs> in no time at all. The surrounding properties, the value's going to go up, people are going to like it. It's gonna look really good. It's gonna, you know, bring more money. All these things, yeah. But they're just, they just don't want change for that. It, it needs to get done. But it's, yeah. It's all land, so that will sell without marketing. Yeah, um, marketing could sell higher price faster. All those things, but like, there's no land. There's nothing for sale over there, over here where we are. So it's like new houses and the right price range. They're, they'll be gone. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. And for this new question of the week, since it is the week before the Builder Show, we want to know, are you going to the Builder Show? And if so, what are you most looking forward to? So you can head over to our Marketproof Marketing, either Facebook or LinkedIn group, and we'll have the questions in there. And we're looking forward to hearing from you on that and to seeing you there because there are five of us that'll be there at the Builder Show. So we'll look forward to seeing you guys.
0: And I always forget about this one, but call in with your questions on this episode or any episode or any question ever, and we'll answer it at 404-369-2595. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out deconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Thanks. See you guys. Bye.